Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Warning. The cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the tri- for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy with the Manor Park Podcast. This podcast covers rape and pedophilia cases, as well as highlight organizations that make it their mission in this world to fight for children. I appreciate you clicking on to my podcast and listening to these episodes. I also have survivor interviews that I share as well, which can be very graphic and heavy. But it's much needed to be heard in this day and age. Because, like a lot of people, I myself was not aware of how troubling and how deep this issue really was. Until I started hearing survivors and listening to the heinous and horrific things they went through. So thank you for clicking on this podcast and listening to these stories. While I know they're deep and disturbing, we need to know what goes on with the victims and survivors and what they went through. So that we can try to identify the problem. And then we can figure out how to solve the problem. My podcast is not for the light of heart. It's not for the faint-hearted at all. It's not for anybody with a weak stomach. These stories will change you mentally. They will make you question your faith. They will make you wonder, why is it that the systems that are in place do not protect children and do not give justice to survivors? And that's what I want it to do. I want it to make you think. I want it to make you go and be curious enough to do the research as well and to go out there and seek the answers and find the truth to all of this because somebody has to. I myself is just a man who was tired of seeing these babies being harmed and from there it grew and I found out so many different traumas that I never knew existed. So thank you for joining me on this journey. Thank you for clicking on this episode. Thank you for supporting me. It does mean a lot, and it's much appreciated. And I'm glad to know that since I've started this journey, there are so many individuals out there that care about protecting children and helping survivors like I do. With that, here's the latest episode. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy with the Manapart Podcast. This is going to be 
episode 64, titled We Want the Names, part one, my interview with Amy. So for a while now, I've actually met Amy off of TikTok, and she's been a supporter of the podcast for a long time. And once me and her finally was able to start talking to each other and message each other and everything like that, I found out what Amy was about, which was her foundation, which is called We Want the Names. She has a website that's called WeWantTheNames.com, and it's a basically a multi-pronged type of foundation. It all centers around protecting children from the monsters that harm them, as well as holding those that are in power accountable as well as trying to change laws that will help benefit children. Amy also works with a group called SASA, which is a sexual assault survivors group, where she and other survivors have what they, in basic sense, a, I guess you would call it a type of uh, a group therapy. And so she does a lot of different other things as well, and we talk about that in the podcast in the interview that we conducted, along with my co-host, Sabrina Young. And it turned out to be a really good interview. Um, I will give y'all a heads up, though. The quality on this particular episode was kind of spotty at best. We are having to deal with three different people with three different cell phone signals. And so it didn't come out to the greatest audio, and there were some parts I had to cut out as well. So for that, I am sorry. Hopefully the second part part two of the interview will actually turn out to be a lot better that being said though this is part one of we want the names thank you hey everybody so this is going to be my interview with amy from we want the names.com and my sister and co-host sabrina is on the interview with us today so amy tell us about how you got started with we want the names.com and why it's important to you so, uh, first of all, thank you for <laughs> inviting me onto the show. Um, so, yeah, so we want the names. Obviously, you know, I- I'll give you like the short version of it. Um, you know, I met Jess through TikTok. We both are super passionate mother um, of protecting children's innocence and, um and fighting against, you know, corruption and the corruption with the whole Epstein thing is obviously um, something so deeply disturbing to me that we have elites running, elite pedophiles running, you know, the world and no one's doing a damn thing about it. And so, you know, we just just did like a video about let's go rally and I I mean and the reality is is that conservatives in general are very um consistent about not doing anything about just sitting back and saying someone else is going to take care of it someone else is going to you know um deal with it and manage it and you know, nobody, nobody steps up. So we just, we started it from, hey, let's go do something. And, and we did, and we held a rally. And then we were like, we want it to be bigger than that. Um, And so that kind of has moved us into doing our own things. Uh, But 
still collectively working on, you know, holding this rally every year to basically bring awareness to the people that have gotten away with um, trafficking children. I mean, yeah, everybody knows it. You know, people still talk about it, but no one's doing a damn thing about it, you know? So yeah. it's frustrating. <laughs> like, it's like, hello, how can you rape a child, traffic a child, um, and then no one hold you accountable for it? But I guess if you have enough money, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah, so. I've, I've seen a lot of that going down. Thing that frustrates me the most is too is that how secretive they keep all this under wraps and everything. And I and I had to ask why, you know, like why have they not charged anybody publicly? Why have they not really been making any any uh, big news stories about it as well? I mean, I've seen a few like with the uh, the guy from uh, from Chase Bank. I think was connected to yeah. Epstein there's Island been well. there has been a few because Chase Bank basically funded it and turned a blind eye. I mean, he was the major source of Epstein's go-to bank. He turned a blind eye to things. So I'm glad that slowly some people. I kind of feel like they're just slowly manipulating the situation to where they handpick people that are going to take the fall, and then I yeah. guess they think that that might satisfy the public who is still enraged. So it's like, well, if we punish a few people, then, you know, they'll end up letting it go. We're not going to let it go. I'm just telling no. you that right now. <laughs> we will not let this go. Yeah. I mean, the, the, all they're doing is just getting a few sacrificial lambs out there and then, then give them a nice little cushy prison sentence or something like that. Put them in some little club fed place where they'll, uh, where they'll spend the rest of their days. If, or if a uh, set number of years or some bullshit like that, somebody was telling me, a, a good theory about why they've been so tight-lipped about it too is because you are dealing with people that have all the power in the world have all the financial resources in the world so they can hire the best of the best attorneys that can just tie up the courts and litigation for years on end and do continuances and things of that sort of nature but besides that and everything like that like what else are y'all are y'all doing to bring the awareness to the problem as well because i know y'all doing a few other different things too so so jess and i have actually decided to do our own thing we are going to collectively still work on we want the names we want the names is a website that um will be completely devoted to the rally which is going to be an annual rally that we are holding again this year and we will consistently go back to every year and ideally it's going to just grow bigger and bigger every year i have started my own nonprofit, which will be the website's going to be launching in a couple of weeks working on that right now and then she's going to do her own thing locally in washington as well and some of the things I'm currently working on right now, because it's not just about, you know, Epstein, the corruption with Epstein. It's it's everything in general. It's, you know, all of the into, you know, this whole, you know, love, no, no age crap. Yeah. Basically, we are going to keep the website devoted to the annual event and continue to build on the annual event every year, hopefully. And I think naturally it's going to continue to organically grow every year to continue to raise awareness for um, the corrupt and the, the crimes against children that um, these people are getting away with. But it's not, it's, it's so much more than that. Jess and I are going to be basically doing our own thing outside of us still working together and coming on like 
the website's going to be launching in the next couple of weeks, but we're completely devoted to everything related to um, trafficking, the dangerous ideologies against children, and then also support after the fact, because there is so much trauma and healing that has to happen for people who are victims and have been survivors of sexual violence. So yeah. some of the things that we're working on or we already have established is we hold an SASA support group every week. It's an online support group. We follow the guidelines of the SASA worldwide for sexual assault survivors have a place to come talk to. And this is in addition because there's so much healing that is involved with, especially with children that are victims of sexual um, molestation, sexual assault, sexual trafficking, um, all of those things. We hold a weekly support group, super awesome, the Free Thinking Lesbian. Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, people want the link, they can reach out to me, they can reach out to her. Like I said, the website's going to be up probably within the next two weeks. It's being built okay. right now. Um, but eventually you'll be able to go there and also get the link to the Zoom. And then the other two big things that we want to focus on is, first of all, partnering and building some type of like legal, legal arm of the charity to be able to go out and basically lobby and advocate for either laws that need to get put in place to protect children or to make sure that um, the actual perpetrator or basically going out and raising awareness and raising awareness against laws that are debt that are trying to be that people are trying to pass that are detrimental to anything that we are trying to protect and preserve and then the other big thing is empowering local people to like parents, community leaders, anybody that gives a crap about what's going on in society and wanting to go out and protect kids in the and all ways that they can basically go out and get involved in their own community and do things and raise awareness against because a lot of people in general, I find that I talk to just have no idea what sex trafficking looks like they they have like this idea i guess of maybe what they have picked up in like a movie yeah um, like a yeah. lot of people think it's just kidnapped little girls and they're shipped off to mexico or guatemala and sex yeah which that does they, happen but it's more in detail than what that is sex trafficking yeah exactly like they don't they don't really comprehend that it could be happening next door that you know yeah. i think the i think the latest statistic that i read recently was like 94% of the victims are trafficked or assaulted by like an uh, somebody that they know and that's what people don't really understand. It could be a husband. It could be a father. You know, it could be an uncle. It could be, there are so many things that people just don't recognize. And that that's part of the whole raising awareness. Like I'm working on building out these programs that are going to be available through video and then also book uh, pamphlet, booklet style to just to raise awareness in general of what trafficking looks yeah. like, what grooming looks like, 
you know, they're going to be geared towards adults, but then also children as well, because a lot of kids don't even know what because parents don't have these conversations with their kids should look for or what is uncomfortable to kids. If you've ever been groomed, you know, it just looks like love bombing. And to a child, a child isn't necessarily going to like recognize that or immediately be like, well, this is weird kind of thing. So I think it's important to, I think knowledge is truly power. And I think it's important to educate as many people as possible, children and adults about all of this stuff that's going on. Because I think without educating people, we're not really going to stand a chance on reducing the risk, mitigating, you know, the dangers for kids in our society in general, you know, all of that is very important to me. It's important to be able to empower other people because, you know, I was a victim of child sexual assault and I had, had I had any resources available, you know, I, I, I think the situation would have been handled, you know, much differently Um, but again, I didn't know, I can't know what I don't know as like an 11 year old kid, you know? So, so yeah, that's (laughs) where we are in, in a nutshell, as far as what we're, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish here and the value add, I'm, you know, trying to help society in general. So, Hey everybody, look, this is a part in the interview where things got cut off. And so the conversation is going to feel like it's a little wonky and a little different. And that's because we, like I said earlier in the beginning of the episode, we had some uh, signal interruptions as well and different types of other technical difficulties. So that's why you're going to feel like, oh shit, what's going on? But I just wanted to give you all a heads up and let you all know that as well. Uh, just please keep pressing on and everything in this uh, episode and next week's should be a lot better on the audio quality. But for this week's, I am very sorry, and I do apologize. I just want to give you all a heads up before we get right back into the interview. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Well, what I wanted to tell you, Amy, was that I know a few people in your in the SASA, right? And yeah. uh, some of them are mutuals of ours and everything as well. And I've heard nothing but good things about you from them as well. Um, oh, good. They mentioned it about it, and I said, yeah. Um, I, and I didn't know you was part of SASA either, and they were telling me about this group and I, and then we just got into talking and everything. And I said, yeah, I'm about to, re- I'm about to do an interview with, uh, with, you know, with Amy from, we want the names, you know, living right. They go, Oh, I know her. Yeah. She's in this group. I'm like, what group? And they start telling me about this group and everything like the group that you're a part of and, uh, yeah. nothing but one things about you. So I just wanted to let okay. you know that I'm not going to mention her name on here or anything like that. Cause I know how that, right. all that goes. Yeah. Cause it's all, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard good things about it, but yeah, that link, uh, I can put it in the podcast description, so that way, when if people need to find out about it or anything like that, they can just cl- they can go click on the description on on the episode in Spotify. I think it okay. transfers over. To, I'll put that link into the bio. I mean, into the uh, description. Okay, cool. that way, you know, and hopefully it'll, it'll transfer over to other platforms. But I know on Spotify, it will it will show up in there, just like your. Uh, just like your TikTok account and mine and, and Sabrina's and the Facebook group will as well. So if there's any other links you need to put, just send them to me and okay. I'll sure get in there when I, when I publish the episode. All right. Uh, sounds good. Oh yeah. So, I mean, so you're doing all these things and everything like that. You're also a CSA victim as well. A survivor, I should say. 
Uh, so how, how was life for you when you like, what was the moment you realized like, okay, this shit's wrong. This is heinous. And you know, like, how'd you feel after those years, after that time of abuse in your life? Like, what'd you go through? Um, I mean, I guess, you know, I didn't tell my parents until I was older. I was 20. Um, so it was something that I kind of, I, not kind of, I did deal with. Um, I basically internalized and basically, um, you know, dealt with it in the only ways that, you know, I knew how or just kind of worked my way through dealing with those emotions and feelings or maybe suppress them is probably a better term until until I got older. And then I started to do like a lot of self-reflection. Like I, you know, had a lot of good things going on in my life, but um, I noticed that, you know, like my picking men wasn't necessarily always good um you know I had self-destructive behaviors that I was like why am I having these self-destructive behaviors because you know I can't I I have good parents I you know I had a great normal childhood you know it wasn't anything um totally disruptive I mean and so I started to realize through some self-awareness that I was like, wow, there's a lot of trauma that is manifesting in other ways. Um, And it stemmed from that. And it was, you know, time for me to be like, I need to take my power back and I need to heal myself and not allow what me continue to have influence on my life in a negative way. It definitely has manifested in positive ways now that I've, you know, taken myself through healing journeys, um, and I say that multiple times because there are points, and I try to stress this to, like, the SASA group, you know, the healing is going to look different for everybody, um, and, you know, you will have moments in your life where you'll wake up on days and it's like, Oh my gosh, everything is great. And you feel amazing. And then there are moments where, you know, PTSD might surface, you might get triggered by something you might, and that's normal um, for me. But I think one of the big things that has helped me heal in general is helping other people. Like I was 26 years old and I started to volunteer as a CASA because I thought it was important for me to, I don't know if like be a role model or like um, have an impact on a child's life in a way that I think I would have appreciated had that, like, I feel yeah. like that would have helped me if I had had that whenever I was younger. Not, I was never, don't get me wrong, I was never in a situation where foster care would you know, I had a really good childhood. My parents are amazing people, um, you know, but from that standpoint of these kids come from broken homes, you don't get put in foster care because you have an idyllic life, you know, um, and yeah. a lot of it is sexual abuse. Um, and so I wanted to give back. And that's kind of where I started with um, working with like youth in that aspect. And, um and started finding other ways that I could help out and could impact children that I feel like 
there are so many people that don't talk about. I understand that feeling that you're talking about, though, as well. I think um, it's like you want to be the the guardian that you needed in your life, you know, when you were younger. That's why you wanted to Mm -hmm. to help get back. And I mean, because me and you are both from Louisiana. And, you know, you know where I'm at out here outside of Baton Rouge and everything. Nobody talks about these yeah. things. Nobody ever has these conversations. I mean, look, 35 years of my life, I've never heard anybody have deep conversations about these issues ever. No. And that's where I started my podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why I started this was because nobody else was fucking doing it. Nobody else was talking about it. The only other yeah. person who was actually talking about these things was like Woody Overton because he worked on these cases. You know, he, he was a co- he was a detective and a cop who 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 had to actually hunt down these fucking monsters. That's it. Yeah. Like I didn't see no, and nobody wants to touch it because, Oh, you can't make money off of it. Nobody wants to advertise with you. And I'm like, well, I'm not in this for the fucking money. You know, like it, it takes, it takes some, somebody that wants to, that wants to help change the world and wants to show people that, you know, these things need to be discussed and, and talked about. The reason why I started doing interviews and not just episodes where I'm bitching about, pedophiles and what i want to do with them was i had a i had a, an, an ex-girlfriend of mine who is a survivor and she's in a group as well and she was telling me that and it broke my heart when she told me about this she goes you know jeremy uh a lot of survivors feel like people that have never gone through this don't give a shit about us like they don't they don't care and that fucking broke my heart because it's like that's yeah. not true. me it to, for me it's not true because i do care and it's, I mean, hell, it's what, you know, these stories. I don't are- think, yeah, I don't think that's true, but I do, I can see how people would feel that way. I think it's uncomfortable for people. I think yeah. talking about sexual assault in general, especially child sexual assault, because it's not, um, I mean, it's not really fathomable for a lot of people to yeah. even you know, think that that's okay or that's something that they would even want to engage in and that's good. We don't want a lot of sick people around yeah. here, but it is so revolting. It has, it could have like a visceral reaction to people emotionally, like internally. Yeah. So I can see how it makes people uncomfortable to talk about. For me, I'm not, I, I'm so comfortable with it now. Like I don't even, it doesn't phase me in that sense. Um, but but I am sensitive to other people being uncomfortable, you know. Yeah, I mean having it, that it, conversation. I mean these stories would have me just break down and fucking cry because it just I yeah. feel that for them and I you know it's like no this stuff needs to be heard so people can get so people can cry get mad and want to stand up and do something about it because that's the thing we all because if people are silent on it and don't talk about these issues because they're uncomfortable well guess what people get apathetic and when you get apathy when apathy breeds fucking corruption i mean it just it it allows Mm -hmm. evil to fucking reign and look what's going on i mean you see it now i mean and i'm even digging into the intellectual side of things uh you know through the the universities and the people who are in the intellectual think tanks and what they're trying to do with making you know pedophilia like a legal thing i mean that's where maps came from the minor Mm -hmm. attracted persons It came from the universities. It came from people doing these research papers. It came from people doing this, you know, uh, to, to re- making these articles and talking to politicians and things of that sort of nature. There's fucking groups out there that want to take down the sex offender registry. Narsal is one of them. I mean, oh, I know. Yeah. Them and, and then two of their board members are actually registered pedophile, registered sex offenders who are pedophiles. 
And well, of course they want to take it down then. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and they want to go under the guy, but here's how they're trying to do it. They're trying to do it under the guise of a civil rights movement. They're trying to do it under the guise of they're being the ones being hunted down and persecuted and tortured and everything right. like that. And that the mm-hmm. registry is so hard. Well, sorry, buttercup. If you keep your fucking hands to yourself and not harm children and shit like that, you wouldn't be on a sex offender registry. That's how I feel about it. That's how a lot of yeah. people feel about it. But yet they're the ones organizing and doing things and trying to get laws pushed into place to where they'll take down this thing. And that's when you're going to see a mass increase of sexual assault on children. That's when you're going to see pedophiles be able to go back into the shadows and slither about. You won't know who the monsters are around you anymore. The whole reason for that is to let them know to keep their fucking kids away from these people. I mean, for fuck's sake. But I mean, that's where I'm I know that's where I'm at with it. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just. Good people need to stand up. You know, I, I, there's a there's a there's an old saying that said when a good when a good man stands up, the spines of other men will stiffen. Yeah, that's that's something I take true to my heart. You know, um, I just like I, I remember seeing like getting on TikTok. The reason I got on there was because it was full of pedophiles. That's what I was told. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, fuck, let me let me go let these monsters know who the fuck I am. Then I got to meet so many of y'all off of TikTok. I mean, hell, I saw I met Sabrina. So I met you. So I met so many other mm-hmm. good people on that care about protecting children. And I'm, I'm so grateful that y'all are out there because I felt alone for so many years. I felt like nobody else, like I knew there were people out there. I just didn't know how many. And I'm glad to know that that number is a lot bigger than what I thought. Yeah. Because I, you know, it, it just, it, it, it amazes me the amount of good people that are on there. So, I, that's my ADHD rant for the day, I guess, y'all. <laughs> no, you're good. Well, the, I mean, and it's good. It's good that there are people like you that care enough to give, you know, the survivors a voice. Because I agree with everything that you said. I think it's yeah. important that people hear these stories. They get uncomfortable. People need to get uncomfortable to act. Yeah, because and, they think it's just when they hear a horror story or something, it's like, oh, one isolated incident that doesn't happen very often. No, they don't realize how often this shit goes on yeah yeah i mean the the incest i thought and i'm gonna tell y'all and everybody's listening i thought incest was this one-off fucking horrible it is more fucking common than y'all any of y'all could ever imagine i've met countless fucking people survivors and it's just like holy shit you know it, it's a fucking, it's an epidemic. It's a fucking problem. I mean, it is, it's just, uh, it baffles me. And because I had, look, just like you, Amy, I had, I had a good upbringing as well. I mean, I had, I had a grandfather that was very protective of me. I mean, this man mm-hmm. put a 357, in, in, you know, into a dude's chest when he was shaking me at six months old and said, you can get your fucking ass out of here and go, go on a one way ticket wherever the fuck you need to go. But you're not going to give me, you know, you're not going to touch my grandson ever again. And I mean, that, that's how, that's who my grandfather was, you know, just that, I mean, he, he's like me, just, he did not, he's third, I'm third generation. Don't give a fuck, you know? Um, and that's what we need. We need men who are willing to go that distance, men who are willing to prepare to like, let, I'm going to say like Gary Ploche, right? Um, because that's the only way that we're going to be able to change the minds of these individuals that are out there that want to harm children. A lot of pedophiles, they won't go after children if they know there's a strong male presence there or if there's even yeah. a strong food. 
importance there too. I look, I, I give you women a lot of credit. You feral protectors of children. I love y'all. <laughs> death. Feral not, protectors a, of children. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will, I will tell you that the pedophiles can sniff out the feral protectors of children. I like that. I'm totally going to use it. Yeah. Um, and that is important. It's important to be vocal about these things because I have encountered pedophiles in my life that I didn't know were pedophiles at the time, but I knew yeah. they were pedophiles at the time, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I just didn't have proof. But, and these oh. were, there was one individual that was a soccer coach whenever I used to coach my oldest daughter's soccer team. And I could not stand him because I knew he was looking at the kids uncomfortably and I used to tell my mom you know she'd be out there watching her granddaughter and I'm sitting there like on the field trying to get this guy away from my girls and he's coaching the other team and you know what he married a lady that had um children already and then I think he ended up having like another kid but whatever my point was is that you know years later he ended up getting um arrested and charged with um, child porn. Mm. Yeah. And 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 I and I immediately was like, call my mom. I'm like, see, see, you know, like. But you know what? He never liked me. He never liked me. Yeah. He would give me the evil eye, and he was very like combative with me um, in general. Like me coaching, like he had an issue with, and I knew that he had that issue because he could tell that I knew something was off with him. Um, and so it's important for mothers to be just as fierce as fathers mm -hmm. in those ways um, because children, pedophiles can sniff that out. Pedophiles, yeah. they are great at, you know, reading a room, so to speak. And they know what children to go after and which ones are most vulnerable. And they so, look they look for children who come from broken homes, yes. divorced families. Yes. You know. And yep, I, they do. And, and you know, some of them so there's pedophiles, there's pedophile sympathizers, right? Normally the sympathizers are gonna be the ones that have pedophiles in their family, normally. Um, yeah. those people give me red flags. I find that all the time around here personally and outside of this podcast and social media and everything. I've had people tell me, well, why do you want to talk about these things? You know, you shouldn't be talking about all that. And I said, fuck all that shit. All right. I'm going to talk about it because it needs to be fucking said. Well, you know, you should just live and let live and leave them alone. I said, fuck that. I'm about the eradication and extinction of pedophiles. All right. Don't fuck with me, lady. I, I, I mean, I, right. I almost, I ended up cussing out a lady in, in, uh, and I mean, I ended up. I ended up I ended up cussing out a lady in the store and everything like that because she was all um because I was talking to a cashier about it what I do and everything like that and she come to stop me and everything say you shouldn't be talking about all that I said I don't give a fuck lady it's about you got people raping fucking kids I was loud too you got people raping fucking kids out here and shit like that you don't want to protect fucking children live and let live fuck that no these are monsters they're harming our children. I've seen the scars that they put on their victims and survivors, and it breaks my fucking heart. And that's they why don't nothing's stop. being done is because people aren't talking about it. They don't like being uncomfortable. Yeah. They want no. to think the world is peachy keen. You know, it's yeah. like full house. You know, this stuff yeah. it, happens. It's, 
yeah it's it's every it's everywhere and and honestly the sympathizers i feel like are just as guilty as the perpetrators themselves like but i have encountered that personally because my, my cousin was the one who molested me you know so it was like and i know the family knew about it because i was not the only one and I, when mm. I say the family, I don't mean my mom and dad. They did not know until I said something. Um, but the family, I know that his parents knew. But And that's one of the big things why I think it's so important and why I'm so passionate, why I'm going to be so hell-bent on continuing to touch as many lives as I can and educate people on this. Because I feel like there are so many situations and so many reasons why children don't talk, they're afraid to talk, or parents don't say anything whenever the children talk, like, you know, and that's one of the things that, like, kept me from saying something until I was 20, like, because I knew that that would break my grandmother and grandfather's heart, because this was also their grandchild, you know, like, their grandchild was doing this to me, and You know, it's like, how are you going to disrupt that family dynamic? But you can go to the churches and have that same conversation. You know, like people think that um, that because, you know, you're part of a certain, you know, church, you can't talk about the pedophilia inside that church. And, And I disagree wholeheartedly. Like you could still be religious. You can still be part of that church, but you should not try and ignore the, um, you know, some of the systemic abuse that has happened in some of the religious organizations. Um, I don't think that that takes away from that religious organization. There are bad people everywhere, everywhere. And I think that the more people talk about that and face that head on, I think that that makes somebody or an organization healthier in that respect. Because if you're talking about it, if you're acknowledging it, then that then that's the first step in making sure that you are taking steps to um, mitigate that from ever happening again. You know, like because that yeah. is one of the most important things to do is not harp on the fact that it happened but it's like hey this did happen but now we have to take action to course correct and try and do everything we can do in our power to prevent these things from happening again Um, yeah because i I mean look because it's not because it's not about blaming god or blaming the church or anything it's about accountability i had an interview with uh with the lady uh hannah k who we were talking about survivor prom but we also talked about the abuse in the churches as well and everything. And, and she said it best. It's about, it's, it's not about, you know, uh, not all Christians or anything like that. It's about accountability for the churches. I mean, yeah. hell, you, you know, you, you, both of y'all know this. And I think I've said it publicly a few times on TikTok, but I'm not allowed in six different churches out here because of my thoughts on pedophiles and being in churches and everything. I've had very bad interactions with pastors, lead pastors in different churches. And I'm not welcomed in six different churches because I don't feel like, uh, convicted pedophiles should be in their fucking churches, and I and I feel I like don't all think right, they should either. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and on top of it, I also feel like um, 
if you're going to allow them, then at least let the parents fucking know, right? At least let the congregation know that there's a registered pedophile and a registered sex offender in your church. Because I feel like church should be, you know, the, the, is I always thought that church was like at least the last vestige of safety for a survivor, and it's not. It is completely out there in the open. Pedoph- pedophiles go into Christianity because they know they'll be forgiven, loved, and accepted. That's the problem. Is that you still have a predator who is a wolf among sheep and everything like that, they're, they don't stop reoffending. I mean, they just don't. It, the studies have, there's too many studies out there that have proven that. And if you don't allow parents to know that there is a possible, you know, predator out there among your children and everything, parents, you know, are going to ha- form relationships with these people outside of the church. I mean, church is about yeah. community and it's about, it's not just going there on Sunday and worshiping Jesus and going home and everything like that. It's about having a sense of family and connection to people. Well, what do pedophiles do? They get in with these families. They get in with these, with these people and everything. And they're going to, and they're going to go to the parents the most because they have little children there because they're going to go after their prey. And if, I mean, like nobody thinks to go to church and do background checks on everybody that goes there. Nobody ever thinks to do that. They're not going to. They're, they're going to think altruistically that everybody is good and that they're that they're on the side of good. And so they're not going to double check anything. You know, I mean, most don't. Right. You know, and, and it's just it baffles me to no end that there's preachers out there that will not only not tell parents that there's, you know, there's there's pedophiles in their congregation, but allow them to come in there and even take up leadership positions or serve in the church. No, where the children are no. At. See, then yeah. I would be worried about that uh, pastor or whoever the hell he is. I would be worried about him and his intentions yeah. because that yeah. right there, I I take major issue with. Um, and I oh, yeah. agree with you. I think the church is a safe haven, but it's yes, it's a safe haven for sinners, but not not with that. Not that's like I mean, it's the same thing to me. Like, are you going to let a pedophile walk into a school? Like, yeah, I mean, I personally aren't aren't they don't they have ramifications whenever they come out where they're not supposed to be within certain feet of children? Like, does that law or legality or whatever end whenever you're talking about a church? I don't know. Separation of church um, and state. baby. Mm-hmm. That's what separates the church and state. They, it's like and, and I mean, the, the, the more fucked up part about all this is, too, is that there is actually sexual assault insurance for uh, churches now so that when they have members uh, or, or so that's preachers. been around for a while though i've seen yeah. someone a couple of people sent me that and i honestly i'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit because i was a financial advisor for 15 years i've okay. seen it i've seen the policy there now i think that that is probably more to protect the financial interest of the church itself and not necessarily to protect the pastor or the okay. priest or whoever it is. I, I read the fine print on it. Um, and I don't, I don't think, I, does it make me uncomfortable? Yeah, it does. But from a business standpoint, I do get why they would do that from like a business standpoint to protect the integrity of the church itself, not necessarily the person. More like from you. like bankruptcy a- aspects and things like that. Yeah. So I, that's an interesting perspective too on that. I I never thought of it that I way. Know. And I know, and I know it's weird that I would even be saying that, but I did, I did look at it from a business aspect and from being, you know, I, 
was in that world for, I never sold like property and casualty um, or liability, but I mean, I'm familiar with it enough to have read it. And I was like, ah, this isn't necessarily, it's not saying, hey, you come in here and you become a molester (laughs) or, you know, you're a poor character, but you've hit it very well. Cause you got to think about it from that aspect. Think about how many people are shitty people um, and they, you know, have this uh, sexual. Hey everybody, if y'all enjoyed this episode, please, if you would go and share it onto your social medias, it would help this podcast out immensely. And it would also help out Amy's cause as well, which is we want the names.com. She's going out there, they're protesting, they're getting with politicians to try to change laws. They're trying to do everything they can to help protect children. All right. Currently, right now, there was over, last time I checked, at least over 85,000 kids that were missing from the border. And that is fucking horrible. All right. As well as the other 500,000 kids that have been missing in foster care in the last year or two as well. I'm pretty sure by now that number has grown immensely. And nobody's held accountable for it. Nobody's brought up on charges for that. Uh, Like we talked about as well, very few people have actually been brought up on any kind of charges for Epstein Island. I think, as we talked about in the the interview, the, uh, the CEO of Chase Morgan Bank was probably the only one that I've heard of recently. And... Like, what the hell? You know, I'm the same way with a lot of y'all. A lot of fuck right there brought up on charges. And of course, as you heard, you know, I, as I said, it, it takes time to build these kind of cases and everything. But what also helps build these cases as well is having enough people who are keeping eyes on this and, you know, basically poking these people and going, hey, when the fuck y'all gonna build this case? When y'all gonna go ahead and actually charge these people? So it's important to help support people that are fighting hard to want to protect children and bring those that are in power to justice for thinking that they can get away with harming little ones and just for a lot of different other reasons, y'all. I will say the second part of the interview is going to be a lot better. I'm hoping the audio quality translates out to be a lot better as well. Y'all, I cannot apologize enough for that, and that's all my fault. It's not Amy's fault. It's not Sabrina's fault. It's all me. You know, it is hard to record out of your car and everything like that, but that's what I'm doing. I don't have a studio, I don't have the space to really record, and I'm still going to keep pushing these episodes out. I appreciate, you know, I really do appreciate each and every single one of you that have taken the time to listen to these episodes and to share them and to, you know, interact with me on other different social media platforms and to call me and to talk to me. Because it really does show that people are out there that actually care about protecting children and supporting survivors. And for a lot of y'all that see my TikToks or my Facebook posts and everything like that, yes, I'm very violent toward pedophiles. I will never apologize for my rage toward pedophiles. Even though my rage brought me here to this point in life, it was the love of survivors that kept me here. And so it kept me going. And I found a calling and a purpose. And I'll be fucking damned if I give up on that purpose or call in life. I just, I guess, I just want to change the world around me. That's all I want to do. And I want to inspire others to do the same. And I know I've done that. 
I'll give y'all some news that I found out recently. So, about a couple weeks ago, they had about five people that came to me off of TikTok. Five people told me they didn't commit suicide because of my content, because of my voice, because of my my platform on TikTok, on, on my podcast, on Facebook, five different people. And that's not to pat myself on the back or brag or anything like that. I was curious because I remember other people in the past have told me, and I went and I counted it out. 24 people within less than a year's time didn't commit suicide because of me. I know that sounds a little egotistical, but I'm not trying to. What I'm, why I'm, why I'm telling y'all this is because your voices matter. Use your voices. Speak up. Say something. It all counts in the end. It's all important. And it really does matter in this world. There are good people that will listen to what you have to say. So if you have a cause that's worthwhile taking up, take it up. Use it. Go for it. Fight. That's all I can tell anybody. There was nobody here to really teach me the ropes before I got out there in the podcasting world or anything like that. I had a few tips and tricks from some friends and other podcasters, but other than that, I just made one step forward in front of the other, and I fought the entire step of the way. And I've met so many wonderful people on this path. I have people that I call family now. New family in my life. Who are just wonderful human beings. And I love them to death. One of them is my co-host. My sister, I call her, Sabrina. Never would have ever thought I would meet family on this path. But I have. Kindred spirits like my own. Who are funny, outgoing, loving people. Who just hate pedophiles and love survivors couldn't ask for better friends couldn't ask for better family in this world so that's all I gotta tell y'all just use your voices they do matter and they're important and for those of you that stuck around to the, all the way to the end I'll tell you I appreciate you immensely I thank each and every single one of you the podcast is growing inch by inch piece by piece it is growing every single day and it's because of y'all it's because of the fact that y'all care, y'all are out there sharing it, spreading the word, telling people what this podcast is about, and that I make this podcast for all survivors of all different heinous traumas, and I plan to have that. So, that being said, I love you all, I hope you all are doing great, whatever time of day or night you're listening to this, if you wouldn't mind... You know, if you know anybody that would, that would be interested in listening to this podcast, sorry for that motorcycle going by, but if you know anybody that'd be interested in listening to this podcast, or maybe you might not even know anybody that'd be interested, if you wouldn't mind, share this podcast out there. Share the whole podcast or even some of your favorite episodes. Right now, currently, the top played episode that I have on my podcast is episode 48, Finding Love and Protection with Elise and Big Red. Apparently, for some weird reason, I don't know what's been going on, but that's been one of the most played episodes I have, and I've been having a lot of people playing it. So, also, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed, please subscribe to it. I really appreciate it. And if you also are a subscriber and a follower of my podcast and TikTok, please go give me a review. 
on Spotify or whatever platform you're on. It does help the podcast out. It does help it grow. It helps it reach out. Right now, I think I'm in over 30 countries right now being played. So I want to thank each and every single one of you from whatever country you're from. I appreciate it immensely. Thank you. It means a lot. Well, this is it. Good night, folks. Y'all have a good day. Good night, whatever you want to call it. Just remember one thing. The Bowman see, and the Bowman never forget. Much love. We must carry on. Goodbye.